Come on, welcome to Venue Church. Sunday fun. You glad to be here? You know, most of the time I take my, when I take my mask off of here, then I have to like get my beard off because it's all pushing up against it. A problem I did not have this morning. Come on. You know, I um. I think, I think when Israel got released from Pharaoh, I don't think that they were really good at it. I don't think they were good at freedom. You know, if I was God, I would be super disappointed in Israel. He's like, seriously, guys, I just like, I've just parted the Red Sea. You're out into the open. You're free. And then do you know what Israel does? They do a funny thing. And, and I've got a sermon today that's going to set you free from the mistake that they made. They went into the wilderness. They went into the wilderness. And then they decided to spend 40 years there. You know that the wilderness was an 11 day journey? Ah, maybe they were slow walkers. You're a slow walker if you walk around in the same circle. My dad was a fast walker. We got any fast walkers in the house? My, my dad would be like, keep up boy. We got places to go. That would have been a five day journey for my dad through that wilderness, man. But Israel, something inside of Israel was 40 years there. And I was thinking about that this week. And I feel like the Holy Ghost gave me a sermon for you. Because with our Summer Fun Day series, I want you to enter summer free. But not just like free, like Israel were free. And then they wandered in the wilderness. I want you into the promised land by the time summer is over. So the Holy Spirit's given me a great sermon for you. My dad is going to be preaching next week. And you don't want to miss that. That's going to be incredible. Um, my, yeah, right there, my dad. Because <laughs> we, lo- we did that loads when we were kids to my dad. Super emotionally in touch. Um, then you're going to hear from uh, our pastors, Pastor Peter and Carolyn Haas from uh, Substance Church with a word from God. It's going to be incredible. I get a bit of a preaching break. Come on. Pastor needs it. Pastor's tired. <laughs> I'm tired, but man, the Holy Ghost is going to come and just uh, just blow the doors open here. Um, and it's going to be incredible. It's not my job just to feed you. It's my job to see that you're fed. So I can just be like, hey, come on, preach. Let's do this here. And so, um, listen, escaping Egypt, did you just spend the last 18 months trying to escape? Right? That's all they could think of, Israel, for like 40 or 400 years. You know, I don't know how many hundreds of those years were, were in the prison of Egypt, but they just spent the entire time trying to escape. But I think that they, were, they, they finally got out and they escaped. But did you know that escaping is not the same thing as entering? So they escaped, but then because there was something out of sync with them and God, then they spent 40 years, an entire generation died because they couldn't adapt to one thing that takes a slave nation and puts them in the promised land because the promised land was not, you know, rainbows and unicorns. It was a street fight between a hot dog and a taco. And they came out of Egypt with a mentality that if they'd have gone straight into the promised land, their mentality would have buried them there. And so they came out of Egypt with a slave mentality. Thanks, John. They came out of Egypt with a slave mentality. What, do you, what is a slave mentality, Pastor? Like, we're in Canada. We've never been, you know, <laughs> slaves or, you know. <laughs> I 
slave mentality. You know what slaves do? Slaves complain and slaves see themselves, you ready? As victims. As victims. They were wounded in, 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 in Egypt for 400 years. They never let God heal their wounds before they could go into the promised land. And because they wouldn't, God couldn't. And then they were stuck to wander until an entire generation died because they wouldn't give up the key that was in their hand to give God so that they could be healed. Now you can take people out of Egypt, but sometimes you can't take Egypt out of people. There's something that's crept into your life and into my life in the last 18 months. Um, look, and can I say this? Everybody's been wounded. Whether you're on the, the you know, anti-COVID or pro-COVID. <laughs> I, I believe in COVID. You know, like masks or uh, just the race issues and the... Everybody has been wounded. Everybody. And the devil came in with this... Not just the, the disease, but then he came in and deeply divided our families. And then you got people and families on this side of this and the vaccine, the anti-vaccine. The, you know what I mean? And then it's just all the stuff cycling around. And the devil did what the devil does and he just wounded, you know, wounded you and wounded me. And I mean, my neighbors still think that I was trying to kill people with COVID by keeping church open. Like, you monster. Like, for reals, they think that I was killing people with COVID. Like, let's inject you with COVID. Let's anoint you with COVID. In the prayer corner, you know? Like, I don't know what people are thinking. Like, you go to Walmart every week, you know, with, like, going to church. It's going to be this huge, like, COVID fest, right? Like, sneezing everybody's open mouths. You know, like, what, what do you think that we do here, you know? <laughs> We're going to do that after. And dance around with a bunch of snakes. Um... A slave or a victim mentality. Now, here's what I know, that nobody can make you a slave unless you let them. And so Israel gave up something a long time before to Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and they came in with a victim mentality. How do you know somebody has a victim mentality? How do I know if you have a victim mentality? How do I know when it's starting to creep into me? There's three things that we say. I'm just glad that I'm finally essential. Yeah. <laughs> that hurt me. non-essential I think you're essential all right all right back to my stuff where the heck was I there's three things there's three things <laughs> there's three things that you say when you start picking up a victim mentality and here's what I know about the promised land is it's gonna be a fight and people with victim mentalities don't win fights ever there's no battle you can win if you if you think you're a victim the devil's already won. That's what he's trying to do is get you to think that you're a victim. And uh, there's, there's when, when the devil brings hurt to you, you have uh, two different ways you can respond to it. And the first way is the way that we often go is the victim mentality. And I know that you have a victim mentality when you say things like, I can't because. As soon as I start thinking or saying like, well, I can't because, you know, I didn't grow up in the home that she grew up in. That's why she got. I, I didn't, I don't have, you know, I don't have his wife. Too far. <laughs> yeah, no wonder, you know, like, like he, yeah, of course he's happy. He's married to, you know what I mean? Like this victim mentality, like I can't because. I can't because my family was all messed up growing up. And, if, and that person came from a perfect family. And I can't start this business because they came from money. And we have this idea that victims, 
You know, I can't because, because somebody else won't let me. Because there's circumstances around me that are conspiring against me and I can't because. The trouble is to a victim, they become the center of their world and everybody else becomes, because there's only two people in, in their story and that's the victim and the villain. And you start seeing the people around you as if they have nothing better to do with their lives than to victimize you. Yeah. So they must be the villain, right? And so I can tell that when I start thinking like, I can't because I, it's a victim mentality. I know it. Victims have a bad case of the if onlys. Like if only that didn't happen to me when I was five. If only I didn't, if only they didn't break me in that way. If only... My company, if only that employee didn't mess my life up, if only my boss, if only there's a third thing that, that victims say, and that's why me, as soon as I say, why me, I start in on this. It's a victim mentality. It's like, you start just like circling the drain, you know, why me? Why is this happening to me? Why, why isn't it happening to you? Lee, why didn't it happen to Lee? Bad things, collect thyself to lead so that I can be happy. You know what I mean? That's how we start thinking like, hey, I don't see that this is happening to him. And he would look at me and be like, well, how come the bad things in my life aren't happening to you? You know, it's a victim mentality. Now, now listen, we've all been injured, but a victim mentality keeps you injured. Soldiers rehabilitate injuries. Slaves don't. I'm going to preach that. Soldiers rehabilitate injuries, but slaves don't. If you have a victim mentality, think about it like this. Why would you get your knee fixed? And why would you go to all that work to rehabilitate your knee to make more bricks? If you have a slave mentality, you don't want to be healed because more is expected from healed people. And health is for helping other people. It's not for helping yourself. And why a person with a victim mentality, no, 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 you don't, I don't necessarily want to be healed because then more would be expected of me. I don't mind being this because then I can, I don't have to build, make bricks today. Whereas a soldier knows that if I don't get rehabilitated today or in this week, the battle coming next week, somebody's going to die because of me and I better get rehabilitated. And here's the thing about being a soldier. Soldiers aren't people without scars. Soldiers aren't people who don't limp. Soldiers are people who have learned to run in spite of a soldiering mentality. They have to rehabilitate injuries. I see Christians today and I'm like, I don't think we're, we're resilient enough. The devil hurts your feelings on Monday or somebody betrays you or hurts you, brings hurt into your life, says something about you at work on Monday. And man, like Monday, 2022, you're still thinking about it. You know, like it was this wounding. No, 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 no. As if the, the, as if the power of the risen son of God can't heal that as if God in you is not greater than he who is in the world who tried to hurt you. And as if the devil working in somebody's life, you know, I mean, people are generally not that terrible, but when the devil gets into a marriage and when the devil gets into a abuse situation and starts timing things and starts using people and starts using you to hurt other people in just awful ways. Yeah. But greater is he who is in you anyways. I think about that and I'm like, Christians need to get over our problems a lot. Like when the devil hurts you on Monday, get back up on Tuesday because you got another problem coming on Wednesday. You can't just be building up injuries forever. You know, there's this idea where you get relatively healed and relatively healthy and you keep moving and a soldier has to rehabilitate very quickly. Now, 
Um, there's two ways you can take an injury, and we all get injured. You know, when I was a, a kid, I, uh, I think I was four, and uh, back then it was like, it's summertime, go outside. <laughs> like, mom's like, this is my place now, this is my safe place, and you're not going to be here. So you're just going to go outside and like, Lord of the Flies it, or whatever. You know, <laughs> take your clothes off and run around the neighborhood, man, if that's what you're going to do. If that's what you need to do, then do that. Just paint your face up, do whatever you're going to do. I'm going to deny that you belong to me and just do it, man. Grab your buddies and just like literally just go out and have fun and destroy yourselves, you know, like whatever. Um, that, that describes my childhood summers. Like I'm not joking around. That's what we did. So, so I remember one time um, we lived about a half a block from my childhood home in the small town, about a half a block away from an outdoor arena. And so, but it's the middle of summer now. And so we're climbing around in there and, and I decide... Um, I decided I wanted to try to like, you know, monkey around on the, on the hockey net. But it was like not a hockey net made for like outdoor arenas. It was an actual hockey net that was somebody just dragged out from the arena arena. And so it was like big steel bars. You know those like hockey nets, right? Like, and so I'm hanging upside down. I still remember to this day the sensation of that thing going over. Listen, and my mom heard me screaming from a half a block away inside the house. Probably with earplugs in. She heard me screaming because the thing fell right over and landed right on my face. My beautiful face. It's the money maker right here. <laughs> Look, I get an email a week that's like, you have a face for a radio pastor. Just, can, we just, can we just turn the video off? Like, it offends people. I'm trying to invite people to church, but it's your face is constantly. <laughs> I don't know. There's two ways you can take an injury though, right? Because a year later in my school pictures, you could see there was a still a big red mark on my face. And the doctor, of course, mom rushed me to the doctor. You know, dad's like, you know, there's a rub dirt on it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> It'll be fine. Um, no, but they, they rushed me to the, the doctor and the doctor told my parents, like, I've never seen anybody come that close to breaking, I think it's the second hardest bone in your body or something. I've never seen anybody get that close without breaking it. Right? And so there's two ways that you can take that. When you, when you get out of the hospital and you come home and it's like, there's two ways you can take that. Like, I can't because, you know, you want to play soccer. Hey, we need a goalie. Well, I can't because my face, you shouldn't be blocking stuff with your face. Generally speaking, you know, I can't because I can't like my face hurts. I can't sleep. I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't because, you know, if only this had happened to Lee, I'm just going to pick on Lee today. Like, why wasn't Lee there? Why didn't it fall on his face? Like, I mean, look, it wouldn't, you wouldn't know. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I just thought of that. I love sarcastic people. And if you don't like sarcasm, like, this is not the church for you. Um, and it's not repressed anger. <laughs> but you know how it is. Like, I could be like, well, why didn't this happen to any of my other friends? You know, because <laughs> nobody else was stupid enough to hang upside down on a hockey net. You know, or you get into this, like, why me? You know, why me? You know, if only, and... Or you can take it another way. See, an injury, you can go into the, into the route of victimization, or you can go the other way, into, like, chicks dig scars. <laughs> oh, she, she does. Be like, oh, this old thing? <laughs> Kinder, kindergarten girls? Oh, this old thing? You should see the other guy. You know what I mean? Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, no, the thing landed right in my face, right there. I didn't cry. 
I don't, I, I don't remember crying. <laughs> I don't remember anything that day. <laughs> like, I don't remember crying. I was probably didn't cry. You know, there's two ways you can take an injury. And scars aren't all that bad. You know, when I was a, a, a kid, something else w much worse was happening to me. I was, uh, I was in and out of hospitals. I was a severe as asthmatic. So massive respiratory problems. And then I was allergic to everything under the sun. And also, there was this thing happening that maybe you've experienced this, maybe you haven't, but in our home, my home was great that I grew up in, good Christian parents, you know, but the devil was demonically oppressing me at nighttime. And so, which means I would be up with an asthma attack, and I was very sensitive spiritually. Some kids are just very open spiritually. And I don't know if the devil was just trying to make me crazy by the time I was three, I don't know. But this happened from the time I was like one or two to like five. So often at night times I would hallucinate and have horrible night terrors for hours at a time. So this is my story. That's, that's what drove my parents further into Christ. Cause you can respond two ways to injuries, you know, but how many times would I get up and the next day I'd just be exhausted and I'd see other kids running around. I'm like, why me? You know, they, they obviously did not have the night that I had, you know, but I thank God that my parents never let that victim thing sit inside of me. And I never saw it as a hindrance. To following God. I never saw it as something that, that, that could keep me from, and I can't because why is this happening to me? You know, of course it shouldn't be happening, but it was happening. And then what, you know, massive deep wounding that's going on in my life. But I got to say, you know, I didn't grow up to be a jaded. If you have a victim mentality, that wound stays open. It just stays open and starts infecting people around you. And, um, I realized, you know, you know what it was? It was a blessing. It wasn't a blessing at the time, but it was a blessing to a lot of you. Because when I led during COVID the first week, you know where I went? The first, very first week, because I have had to deal with the fear of stopping breathing and dying since I was a little boy. And I remember making a decision when I was a child because COVID wasn't the problem. Fear was the problem. Yeah, well, COVID was a problem. Yeah. But Sickness attracts itself to fear and fear amplifies what sickness can do. And so in the first week, you know where I went? I went straight to where the devil was trying to take everybody there by the long and roundabout trail. But see, when I was a kid, I knew because of what I had experienced, I knew that if you give fear an inch, it will suck the life out of you slowly, day by day by day by day. So I just went straight there and I'm just like, okay, okay, okay. So if this happens and I die, I'm going to heaven. And I'm going to leave a beautiful corpse behind. <laughs> then I had to go here. And if my wife, if my daughters, but hold on, we believe in Jesus. They're in the family of God. They go to heaven. They just get there before somebody else gets there. Okay. Now what about my people and the people that I love and my friends? What happens? What happens? What happens? Then I started thinking, what are people who are far from God? Then I realized, okay, we can't do church just to keep Christians safe. That wasn't never supposed to be part of the deal about church anyways. We were supposed to be doing church to save lives. Yeah. And so there's a difference right there. You want to go on a rescue mission, it's going to be a little bit dangerous for you too. And so I'm like, no, actually there's something more at play here. And, and I went straight to where the spirit of fear was trying to take me. And I'm like, I'm not, I decided when I was a child, I would rather get sick and die than be afraid of it. So I'm like... I got to this place. I'm just like, devil, if you can do it, then do it. If you're greater than God's protection of my life, then do it. I'm not going to sit here and bleed for a year first. Do it. If you can do it, then do it. But if not, we are working for the name of the Lord. 
And that's what we're going to do. And we're going to do it, listen, fearlessly. We are going to serve fearlessly. We are go- if you get fear inside of you, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. So if you've been afraid this last year, it, it wasn't a like because you cared so much problem. It was a because you didn't understand love the way that God does. Because there is no fear in love. Which means God was not afraid for you or anybody that you knew for one second because there is no fear in love. You should fear God so you don't have to fear everything else. But if you won't fear God, you will fear everything else. And I realized, I realized, okay, no, we can lead the church fearlessly. Now listen, we have, every sermon I preach, I'm like, who's sitting here? Who's going to call me in? Who's going to, like, yeah, we had to deal with fear. But we didn't want to make a deal with it. And uh, you know what I realized? That the lash and the whip that the devil put on my back when I was a child turned out for your benefit. And you know what it did? I don't, my wounds are not open. I walk with a limp. My back has got some scars, but scars make you tougher. And chicks dig scars. (laughs) They do. The lash that the devil put to you, he'd already put to me when I was a little boy. And the last that he tried to put to you, maybe I got on the way of a little bit, not because I'm anything special, but because God had a greater plan that was greater than anything the devil could do to hurt me. And I realized having scars is not a bad thing. It's like callousing your fingers up to play a guitar. Well, they're not a bad thing. You, then you can play guitar more. But they hurt for a little bit. Sure they do. But you don't have to walk around wounded and poisoned for the rest of your life. Is this good? See, COVID could have been the realization of my childhood fears, but you know what it became? The greatest victory we've seen so far. It's not what the devil can do. What can the devil do against what God can do? Now, a slave's worst sin, you ready? A victim mentality, if this is you, your worst sin is called self-pity. Now, I think God's going to heal somebody in the prayer room because I think you have been wounded this last uh, 18 months or whatever. I think you have been wounded, but if you give into the sin of self-pity, that wound will sit open and it will fester and it will get poison in it, right? And then what it'll do is it'll take the initial wound and try to spread it to somebody else because open wounds tend to spread. And I got thinking about this. Was Jesus, did he feel sorry for himself hanging on a cross? No, not for one second, not for one moment. I mean, let somebody else feel a bit sorry for you, but don't you. When somebody hurts you, we say like this, well, I'm hurt. I can't help it. You can absolutely help feeling sorry for yourself. Don't put up with it in your home. Don't put up with it in yourself. Every slave gives into the fear of, uh, into self-pity. And that's what keeps you a slave. Because your, your, your personal comfort and your personal pain levels keep you from changing your situation and making you free. And you are so concerned about yourself that you can't join up to free somebody else. That's why slaves stay slaves. Why would, why were they slaves in Egypt for so long? There were way more of them than the Egyptians. Self-pity, because when you start thinking about yourself and thinking about how it hurts and thinking about and thinking about and thinking about, and you don't start thinking about somebody else and helping somebody else, right? Um, How is it that people who are victims of abuse turn around and perpetuate the same abuse in somebody else? That's the normal cycle. Why is that? You would think that somebody who's been hurt in that same way would not turn around and do that. In fact, you would think that would be the last thing that would happen, but it's not. 
Why is that? Because every uh, abuser, in some regard, I think, has self-pity sitting at the bottom because somebody took something from them. And then it's like somebody took something from me and then all of a sudden it becomes okay in their mind to take something from somebody else. But if you don't allow that to sit inside of you, then it cuts off that abuse cycle, right? I think at the bottom of, of much of depression, I'm not saying that it's not a thing. I'm saying it's a thing, but I'm saying at the bottom of that, if you won't give up a piece where you're feeling sorry for yourself, I don't think God can set you free. But God said, I've come to give you a sound mind. I've come to give you a sound mind. As a son or daughter of God, God has promised you a sound mind, which means that you don't have to go on in the state forever. But when you're a slave and you're a victim and you're feeling sorry for yourself, you don't want to be free because then more is expected of you. hurting your feelings. I know. Listen, I don't want you to enter the wilderness this uh, summer. I want you to take uh, the shortcut through the wilderness. And the key that would have unlocked Israel's, uh, the shift from a slave to a soldiering mentality was to give up the key of self-pity. Had they given that up, they wouldn't have lost a generation in 40 years in the wilderness wandering around feeling sorry for themselves. You know, you can't just leave Egypt. It's not just escaping. You have to enter. And, and every person who, hasn't, who, doesn't, who no longer lets self-pity uh, keep them from their destiny, they do it. You ready? They do it by hating it. You talk to somebody who's beaten self-pity, they will not feel sorry for you, man. They'll just be like, yeah, no, I get it. We've all been hurt. But what is God doing? And what could he do? And what is he trying to do through you to somebody else? And so, but you talk to, have you ever talked to somebody who's beaten a drug addiction and they talk to somebody else who's addicted, man, there is no like pity going on here. They're like, oh, you still like it. That's why you still do it. You still kind of want to be a little bit sick. That's why you still, you still want to be hurt. You don't mind it because self-pity wraps itself. You think that it'll keep you warm for a little bit and you fall into this trap and then fear comes and then fear turns you into an angry monster eventually. And so somebody, you have to learn how to hate it. You have to preach yourself out of it and be like, wait, 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 I'm a daughter of God. What am I doing? Well, I can't because of what? See, there's the cross, but then there's the resurrection. But if Jesus had felt sorry for himself, he'd have just gone into the grave and stayed there. There's a difference between uh, pity and compassion. It says that Jesus had compassion on a man, grabbed him, a crippled man, and told him to stand on his feet. And you'd be like, <laughs> you big meanie. How dare you tell somebody to stand on crippled feet. Jesus is like, if you won't, I can't. He gra he'll grab you by the hand and be like, yeah, no, you don't have to stay there. Like, come on, let's go. Let's, we got stuff to do. You can't just stay at the gate and beg forever if you get healed. Then you got to go to work. Right? And so there's this thing where Jesus is like, no, no, compassion grabs somebody by the hand and is like, come on, let's get you out of there. Come on, you're better than this. Come on, Jesus is. You know, you don't have to let the devil keep winning your life. Now, slaves absorb the whip, but you know what soldiers do? Every time the devil lashes a soldier of God, you know what they do? They pull the bow back a little bit further. They're like, oh, you wait, devil. Oh, that hurt. You just wait, because when this goes, you're not going to get up from this. Come on. There's a different mentality in a soldiering mentality. Everything the devil tries to do to you, you're like, oh, one day you're going to get this back with some interest that you won't like. And the devil's trying to destroy my family. And I'm like, devil, you just go to Airdrie. Don't say this like too glibly, but I'm like, I'm like, oh, you go to Airdrie because when we get there, you're not going to be able to stop us. So try to get us now if you can, because when we get there, 
Say that after baptism. <laughs> Acts chapter 27. I'm going to be reading about the Apostle Paul on his way to his eventual execution. I love people who are like, they just don't understand the Bible. And they're like, I have to watch the news because, you know, the Bible can't inform me of what's going on in my life today. Like the Bible doesn't know about crisis. And God's like, literally everything in the Bible is written to people in crisis. In people that COVID wouldn't register on a crisis a meter to. Like not even like, that's what, that's what. That soldier is trying to get into my house right now. Yeah. That's what, what was happening then. If that king takes over our, then this is what happens to Herod kills all the babies in. Come on. Like literally 99.9% .9 of the Bible is written into crisis that wouldn't make this even look like a crisis. And then we look at the news and we're like, well, they're the only ones who can save us and inform us. And God is like, oh my goodness, just open the Bible. It will give you like hope. You're like, no, we can do this. Come on. Greater is he who is in us. Let's go. Let's go. This is not the first time that Christ's followers have been hurt. This is not the first time we've faced crisis. This is like the millionth time. We just forgot about the other ones. Paul says, men, this is to the sailors and to the century. It's that knock on my head, man. I'm telling you, it still messes with me. He says, I believe there's trouble ahead if we go on. Shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives. They're on a boat going to Rome where Paul eventually gets executed, right? So he's like, man, he's like, I know you're supposed to be the experts here, but I got this feeling from the Holy Ghost that we shouldn't be on this boat right now. Just like stop here and winter here. Don't go on. But the officer in charge of the prisoners listened more to AHS, sorry, the ship's captain <laughs> and the owner than to religious leaders. There's my little jab. Yeah. Why? Because they're experts, right? But listen, only God can save a nation. And God speaks through whomever God speaks to. But Paul is definitely not essential in this when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. So the sailors and the natural are kind of sailing close to what they're comfortable to, which is what you did at the beginning of this until verse 13 or verse 14. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength called a northeaster burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind, so they gave up and let it run before the gale. I really think that's what we did as a nation. So you got to turn the ship into the fear. Yeah. You got to move towards the fear. And we didn't. We just let the fear drive us. Look, you can't win any battles if you're afraid. You, you can't. You got to deal with fear. You got to look fear in the eye. You got to do what I did. I'm just like, no, no, no. If you can kill me, then kill me. But if you can't, if God is greater, then we have work to do. And so they, but you know, we made some mistakes. We didn't understand how this thing was going to go. Our fear drove us to some very nasty places morally and ethically that we did not want to end up in that we're in, but God is greater. God's got a plan. When the morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline. So now they're at a different place. It's going to be the place of their salvation and the place of your salvation, but it says it's unfamiliar. So you are in a place now that you're unfamiliar with, which is good. It's okay. It's still going to be the place that God saves you. It's still going to be the place that God gets to your brother and that God gets to your neighbors. They wondered if they could get the, the, uh, to the shore by running the economy aground. There's just so many things. I just... <laughs> so they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Oh, that's going to help us now. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed towards the shore. I feel like this is what we did. We just like cut the anchors 
of, of God and the nation. Just cut them and leave them in the sea and like pull the steering wheel off and let's see, see what happens. That's what they did. But now they're finally like, hey, we should maybe put the steering wheel back in the car. Um, so is this too soon? But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow, uh, the bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. A crisis. But Paul's response, you might have felt like a prisoner in this time, but the prisoners around you needed you to act like Jesus. Because God wanted not just to save you, he wanted to save them too. And if Paul had given in to his fear... You know, here's the thing about, I love about Paul. Paul didn't know that he was a prisoner. He went and talked to these guys, and he's like, hey, this is what we need to do, guys. And they're like, who are you? He's like, essential services. It's like, guys, this is what we got to do. Like, you guys, but, but they listen more to so-called experts, but he, he doesn't know he's a slave. He thinks he's on a mission. He thinks he's a soldier. He thinks he's a spy. Come on, Pastor Aaron, that's what she wants to be, a spy. He's like, no, I, the only way I can do the mission is to be in this ship in chains right now, but I'm not in chains, these are weapons. No, I need to turn this thing around. And so um, the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, who suddenly got more essential. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard and make for land. Um, the others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. Now, this is something, can I just say this here? Some people swam to shore in this time. So you might have done pretty well. Um, but other people, they, they, they didn't do as well as the swimmers, and maybe, maybe they couldn't swim, and maybe they didn't swim. Maybe they were just grabbing onto the debris and the broken parts of the ship. Here's what I want to say. It says they all got safely to shore. So if you swam, don't hate the, you know barrel grabbers. Don't hate them. Maybe they can't swim. Maybe they didn't do as well. Maybe they had some bad things going on. You don't know. Well, you don't hate them. And man, if you're just grabbing on a wreckage and you, you see a person swim to shore and they're like, come on, why are you swimming? You're like, I couldn't. But don't hate them either. You know, God has a plan for everybody. And listen, if, if we did church and you just come back to church, we love you. It's okay. Come in floating on whatever. Like we don't Listen, just get here and God's got a plan. Just get here and we're all good. You know, nobody's better than anybody else. We just have stuff going on. Acts 28. Now, this is where we're, we're going here today. Once we were safe on shore, we learned that we were on the island of Malta. The people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. And I feel like venue, I feel like that's our job right now. We're, gonna, we're building a building and a build-out right there in that new property that we have. That's going to be a fire to the city. It's going to be like, hey, you're cold and wet and rainy. We get it. You're hungry. Come on in. We did this. We prepared this. We paid for it. Man, we are just more than happy that you're here. And, and watch what happens next. Here's what I want to say. Invite people this summer. Whenever there's crisis, invite somebody to church. Oh, my goodness. That's where they make new decisions. That's where they find Christ. Did, where did you find Christ? In crisis? I did. As soon as I hear like, hey, we just moved here. Hey, I lost my job. Hey, this unexpected thing happened. Hey, this, and then, and then this awful thing went down in, in our home. As soon as I hear that, I invite them to church because that's the moment and the opportunity that God is looking for. Invite, 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 invite. I mean, unchurched people. 
people who are unchurched now are thinking about like, I should be really be doing something with my life because all this other stuff, I'm missing something massive in my life. Maybe it's there. Maybe it's in Christ. And as uh, Paul gathered an armful of sticks, I love the apostle Paul. If I was Paul, I would just be sitting in the, I told you so chair. I'd just been like, I told you, you make the fire, but I don't want to make a fire. Idiots. Not, not, not the apostle Paul. He's just, he just was building a fire. He was just serving. It says, uh, he gathered an armful of sticks, was laying them on the fire. A poisonous snake driven out by the heat bit him on the hand. A viper in the woodpile. I think that viper today for you, I think it's called self-pity. It's trying to wound you. It's trying to poison you. But it's driven out by the fire of the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is going to be like, you can't because... Why now? Greater is he who is in you than anything that's been done to you. Greater is he who is in you than anything you've done. It fastened on his hand. If self-pity wants to fasten, lock its jaws on you. Get those teeth in you. The people of the island saw it hanging from his hand and said to each other, a murderer, no doubt. He escaped the sea. Justice will not permit him to live. All my neighbors thought I was trying to murder people with COVID, I'm telling you. But it's okay. Yeah, it hurt. Because I was really trying to help them and serve them. It hurt. It's all right. You know what? You know what I did? I'm trying to do what Paul did. He just, Paul shook off the snake into the fire and was unharmed. He wasn't unhurt, he was unharmed. You know what, this is, this is a picture that I got from this thing. You've been wounded, so go get prayed for and get better. And shake off self-pity into the fire, because if you won't give that up, that wound will sit there and fester and poison you. And he, you know what he did so quickly? He, you know what he didn't do? He didn't turn on the news and he didn't go talk to the islanders who were experts on snake bite. Like, oh my goodness, do you know somebody's got bit by this snake? Like, oh yeah, he's puffed up and died, right? He didn't go to the leading experts. He didn't go and he didn't, you know what he did? He just shook it off in the fire. But you know, if you're gonna shake off a snake into the fire, your hand's gonna get a bit burnt. But it also cauterizes that wound too. And it hurts when you get rid of self-pity because it makes you warm for a little bit. You just shake it off into the fire. Shake off the like, I can't because. Don't say that, no, I can't because if only. If only what? If only the devil hadn't won you know, I hadn't put Jesus on a cross. That's what the devil's thinking. If only I hadn't put Jesus on a cross. Oh my goodness, I didn't know what was coming next. If only. I, I can't because, why me? You just got to shake that off into the fire. He couldn't afford to die. You know why? Because more prisoners were still coming in. More fires needed to be built. His mission wasn't over. What keeps a slave a slave is self-pity. What keeps a soldier free of slavery is mission. Father, I pray that we would, as we give up self-pity, as we call it sin, as we repent of being, feeling sorry for ourselves for the hurt, very legitimate hurt that has come to us, come to us all. We remember that you've been hurt far more than any of us in this entire time. We ask you to forgive us for turning our backs on God as a nation, turning our backs on you, giving our hope any place other than you and being afraid of anything but you. Father, we pray that you would forgive us, take away this awful sin of self-pity from our lives. And we pray that you would heal our sins, but I feel like, Lord, you can't heal us until we shake off that viper into the fire. Thank you, Lord.